You're listening to the Blender Anime Studio Podcast. Brought to you by the Blender Cloud. Do you suffer from overt duck attachments? Then get your Blender Miller Quack on the cloud. Go to cloud.blender.org. Joining us today is Julian Kaspar. Hey, yo. Francesco Sete. Hey. Andy Goral. Hello. And I'm Asi Amazon. Here's your host, Francesco. Hello. 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 One job. Yes. Well, <laughs> hello, everybody. Welcome to the episode number 71. So we keep going. We keep we keep the spirit alive here keep, at we the keep it <laughs> empty. Yeah. Emptiness. Yesterday it was a beautiful <laughs> spring day here in Amsterdam, the Netherlands, and today it looks like it's November again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's yeah, very cold outside suddenly. <laughs> and raining and everything. Oh, shit, no. <laughs> yeah, it is raining. Mm-hmm. Yes. But uh, we are here uh, to give you our uh, fuzzy podcast feeling as uh, it happens every other two weeks. And uh, this week we have actually a very interesting topic, which is uh, a look back on uh, open movies. But before we get into that, let's just uh, do our usual quick round of news. This time is more centered on uh, uh, what we see from our perspective than ever. Um, But uh, hopefully it's interesting. Well, one of the biggest things that happened is, of course, that part of the blender <sighs> has splintered like it's moved away Not from here just a part yeah well, so lonely <laughs> here half of it yes <laughs> so the move happened uh the core developers of blender and the multitude of core developers that uh, uh usually work distributed worldwide they moved to the new premises in amsterdam north um i hear that uh, is not necessarily Amsterdam. No, it's not. <laughs> I, I refuse to acknowledge. Yes, I think we heard that joke yes. before. Um, but uh, yeah, so basically this is in relation, of course, to the Code Quest. So the Blender 2.8 Code Quest has finally started two days ago. It's very exciting. The office, uh, one part of the office is basically finished and all the developers moved in there, uh, including uh, Ton, uh, Pablo, Vasquez, uh, Sibran, and Sergey from the uh, usual team here at the Blender Studio, uh, plus all the other developers. And they are there, and they are working on big plans, and it's very exciting, and uh, we can talk about it uh, later. But we are left behind, mm-hmm. and we are here, uh, the five of us, uh, remaining uh, spring team. Um, Making movies is not cool anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking yeah. of anymore, have you seen the video that Pablo Vasquez posted on YouTube that gives us the update of all the stuff that's happening in, at the Conquest? I mean, why would you even move to that building when you can just watch comfortably those videos from here? Exactly. Uh, yeah, I've yeah. seen it. It's, uh, it's fantastic. <laughs> and uh, this is really, if you want to follow what is happening uh, with the CodeQuest, uh, we set up a, a dedicated social media channels just for that. So you can find the CodeQuest on Twitter, on uh, Facebook and uh, on YouTube. There is the Blender Developers account, so you just follow them. And uh, the guys there, and especially Pablo, they're really trying to bring you the latest news on the highest frequency possible. Of course, there is a lot of stuff going on. But this video that he made as a first recap of the of the first couple of days, it's already fantastic, mm. right? You've yeah. guys seen it recently. Yeah, just saw yeah, it. Just a yeah. minutes ago. <laughs> it's, it's great. And also, like, I, I walked by 
two days ago. And that place is just buzzing with activity and everyone is running around and like Ton is overseeing the construction downstairs and everyone mm. is so excited to get everything going. Mm-hmm. And they so, have, many, so many markers. Everybody's drawing like plans yeah. everywhere, any glass window, everything. <laughs> yes. And meeting schedules. Like oh, every yeah. day there's like three meetings at least yeah. with different <laughs> topics. It's awesome. It's really interesting yeah. to see like how developers that normally work and uh, and they're used to really get things done because there isn't that much time for meetings because the team is fairly small. So yeah, you discuss something and then you go and do it. And now it's so big, they have to coordinate this big action that is going to take weeks and weeks to happen. So they really need to sit down and plan. And mm-hmm. it's like, I was talking with some of them. I was like, yeah, the planning, of course, is important, is useful, but I'm really looking forward for the week to end. So we have our plan of action. We can actually start working. <laughs> yeah. And it's so good to see that attitude of people that are motivated to go and do it. So mm-hmm. I really, uh, I'm really looking forward to more updates. Uh, of course, there is also uh, code.blender.org, the official uh, developer's blog, where uh, the team uh, is going to post um, intelligible updates for everyone. So you can actually read mm. in written form with pictures what's going on with the new Blender. Uh, of course, if you don't like reading, you can always watch the YouTube videos. Yay! Yay. <laughs> <laughs> we have content for all. It's very diverse, <laughs> our content. I want an audiobook. <laughs> yes. So that's, uh, um, yeah, that's that's what's happening with the CodeQuest. I, I think it's, it's, it's awesome that it started and we are looking forward to join them towards the end of the month, beginning of the next month. So in May, probably, mm. the rest of the team, which is us, will move to the north as well and the full adventure will begin. I heard that that will be the moment where the spring team will have to switch to Blender 2.8. <laughs> mm. Oh my God. I don't know about yeah. that. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, they know. At least it's running for you. I think yeah. I haven't even, like, recently, EV has just been crashing for me every day. <sighs> I think it's something with my computer and my driver. So it's your fault. Well, I can't wait to get up to the, the north and uh, get it fixed. So that's awesome. <laughs> yes. So it's going to be it's going to be epic. I think we're going to have one more podcast here. And then maybe the one after is actually going to be happening in uh, in the north. Yeah. Maybe we're going to have a new setup. We're going to have a new room. It's going to sound better than ever. Who knows? So Plus the construction sound in the... Yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, it's going to be so crazy. Um, so what have you guys been up to in the last couple of weeks? Just before you say, I would like to mention that to know some of it, uh, we've been uh, shooting again production logs. Uh, we used to have a live stream, the Blender Cloud Live, but now that uh, our main uh, YouTube live star uh, has left <laughs> the premises, we are not doing that anymore. We just go back to uh, old school edited videos. Uh, again, like in you know, in an effort to to try and share more what's happening in the moment, mm-hmm. not just you know looking back at the week. What did you do? What did you not do? Is more like oh, what are you doing and why? And then that- right now we're trying to alternate it right with the podcast. Yeah. So this week it's podcast next week it's video again so. yeah and on top of that like just doing regular write-ups to share pictures and images uh, uh, about what's what's going on like uh, on the on the weeklies basically because for the weeklies everybody still has to share the content they do so we are always up to date with what everybody is doing so what have you what have you been doing andy in the last few days well <laughs> I don't remember. Um, <laughs> no, um, in the last few days, well, now we have the layout almost locked up. That means that mm-hmm. we are, we're not going to do any more changes to the story. 
um, more or less what we see in the layout is what we'll get in the film, just more beautiful with better animation and better renders. And then, of course, as the animation will uh, proceed, there's going to be some changes to, to the edits to make sure that it'll like it'll sync up and everything. Um, everything will kind of flow. And then uh, maybe if there's some tweaks that that is, are needed for like getting the music work and getting the, the rhythm to to work, that's still gonna be, uh, that's still gonna be happening. But uh, but yeah, so now we're starting production, actual production, real real stuff. Oh. <laughs> it's true. So, uh, so we. So, what does it mean for you? For me, that means I uh, get to do what I like doing, Favorite which is <laughs> using Blender to make stuff. Oh, that's <laughs> great. Yeah. No, I um, I am slowly and steadily trying to help Julian, who's been like chipping away at all the assets in the last couple of weeks. Very slowly. Yeah. <laughs> and so I just try to get my head back into the, the mindset of working with, you know, sets. I'm trying to like uh, line out uh, all the sets that we need uh, to make the film happen right now. It's not as many as we used to have a couple of months ago where we had to have like a mountaintop with a hut and all that kind of stuff. Um, now it's a bit more simple. And, uh, sniff, sniff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, it's just like getting the, the sets there from the layout files as an actual set file uh, to make sure that the animators um, can use it in shots. Yeah, uh, like as soon as possible. For example, you were mentioning something about the ground that you want yeah. to give them a ground so the animators can make their characters walk on something. Exactly. Mm -hmm. the The ground is <laughs> really the most important thing that what you need, and the stuff that the character is interacting with. That's like the one thing that you want to settle on really early on, and then the next thing is what is needed to um, help uh, help the animators to get a feeling of the place. Because I mean it. It doesn't help if there's a ground and a tree that the character is touching. Mm. That gives you some information, but it's not there like to uh, establish the composition of the shot and uh, and that kind of stuff. So um, that's going to be after that. Um, and then um, as animation production uh, cycles up, usually there's uh, stuff sets being changed all the time, but uh, nothing that the character interacts with. Uh, so that should be settled uh, as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cool. What about you, Kjaldi? Speaking of you, uh, <laughs> I've been working on uh, the layout, finishing the layout. Uh, that was last week. And then the w this week, we did some shooting for reference today. So that was cool. Uh, just with like a staff and me and expertly crafted stuff. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> With a lot of tape, it's great. Mm -hmm. And then just kind of walking in the uh, oh, in the mountain of of the Netherlands. Yes, the one mountain we could find. We actually <laughs> scoured the entire country and we found one mountain that is how many meters high? Ten say, meters? No, I think it's twenty. Like Fifteen. It's 15, Fifteen. Meters. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's enormous. Sure. Enormous. Huge. Yeah. I mean, I got like I got. Uh, light winded, you know, going up, and uh, we needed oxygen masks and yeah. stuff. It was yeah. I think we had to leave the Sherpa back. Oh, I think two died on yeah. the way, unfortunately. <laughs> when uh, we got to the top, we were at sea level. Yeah. We were like way up there looking down and like, wow, it looks kind of the same. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Anyway, so um, we shot some, some footage. Yeah, yeah. some stuff. 
post library. So I've been working on making the, the like an updated brand new version of the, of the post library for Spring, our like little girl who's the main character, and just making sure it's. I think it's twenty. It's like around twenty six, twenty seven uh, different facial expressions, yeah. and uh, just making sure that it it works on you know like towards the camera. So there's like a bit of asymmetry to it. But also Andy tried like rendering it and yeah. just just to make sure like is it is it okay and I, we did see some little bit of glitches here and there like where things are protruding or things look kind of differently when you look at it in the viewport rather than the rendered version. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was surprisingly forgiven, I must say. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. Like I'm usually I'm used to being like uh, like I'm used to seeing all these errors during render time, but this mm-hmm. was surprisingly. Yeah, seamless. So that's uh, props to you, Julian, Yay! for yeah. making the shaders and everything. Yeah. <laughs> Hooray! Anyway, uh, your cabin is gone. I'm sorry. <laughs> Cut out of the movie. <laughs> uh, yeah. Besides that, I'm now starting to work on. Um, yeah, like I think the next step for us is making an, a kind of a walk cycle with the girl, where she's using the staff, and that's kind of. You know, one in one sense, it's to kind of try to figure out the the body mechanics and also the character and whatnot. It's supposed to be kind of vanilla, but you know, it's um, but unbelievable it, how difficult is it is to get that staff to feel right. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. It didn't uh, occur to me at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. It, it always feels a bit weird. Like if you actually use a staff and you're hiking and whatnot, um, if you're on a relatively level plane field. You are the staff is almost in the way, and you just don't want to really be using it, so you're kind of just dragging it along. But if you're hiking upwards, it's actually really nice because yeah. then uh, you kind of use your weight on it as you kind of push yourself up. Going down, uh, it's rare that you actually use it. I mean, you can use it a couple of times, but uh, for like most of the steps on the way down, uh, you're so focused on not dying that you want to, <laughs> you know, you don't want to be like putting the staff in between. Uh, so yeah, kind of interesting. So I'm now, now going to make a walk cycle that features the staff and a weird solution regarding how is the staff going to be functioning when it kind of hits the ground because that's kind of one of the enigma that we knew we had to deal with at some point, which mm-hmm. is uh, somebody's walking with the staff. So when their staff is in the air, uh, the pivot point is essentially the hand. But then when when you plump it down, the contact point where it hits the ground now needs to be the place where it's kind of pivoting. But then it's the second you pull it back up, now it's the hand again. And uh, how do you work with that? Like, do you do you come up with a solution where it switches on one frame? Is it like a thing where we can be a little bit more benign with the whole thing and we can like allow it to drift over 12 frames back to the original thing? Does there need to be like a, a very complicated thing where there's a slider and that controls the pivot point and whatnot? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm trying the path of least resistance right now, which is in Blenrig, uh, Juan Pablo has these little pivot point bones for for both the IK arms and IK hands. Uh, IK arms, IK, IK hands and IK uh, feet. So I'm just putting that down where the contact point is for the staff. And then I'm just rotating it. And then the second she kind of wants to lift the staff again, I try to snap the rotation back but I'm trying. I'm gonna try to like make it happen over 12 frames or whatever, and see mm-hmm. if that's okay. Uh, if that works, that would be phenomenal because m- for the majority of this short film, she's gonna be using that staff. I think. So uh, that means that 
does the hand that is carrying the staff has to be an IK always? Uh, almost always, yes. That's uh, that's interesting to make that work yeah. when she's actually swinging mm -hmm. and not touching the ground with the staff. Mm -hmm. Wow. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes, that will be interesting. Because that is a path of lesser resistance rather than switching to IK, FK, IK, FK constantly. Yeah, right. Which is always going to end up with this snappy thing. Probably then you get more used to it. Then it's going yeah. to see, are you going to switch also the other arm to well, No, the, the other arm just... is probably just going to be <laughs> FK. So you're going to have one arm IK, one yeah. arm FK. It's yeah. going to be glorious. Yeah. Fantastic. Okay, yeah. good. Now, but that arm will be hinged. So, haha. <laughs> let us know, let us yes. know how it works out. I think next time you're going to find out because you said, I mean, it's really important for these uh, walk cycles and stuff like that. So yeah. you need to get an idea. So mm -hmm. next time we will find out how it went and, mm -hmm. uh, and if it works. Exactly. Speaking yeah. of works, Julian, you have been working on something. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I've been working for weeks and weeks and weeks on the assets, mainly for the riverbed scene down mm -hmm. into the valley. And uh, at first it was the rocks. Now, uh, then it were the trees. Uh, they were they, they are pretty much uh, wrapped up for now at least the modeling, and now I'm moving on to flowers, the actual springy parts of the assets, I guess. Yeah. Well, it's I about time. Yeah, yeah, it's about time, <laughs> finally. I really love the way you guys figured out the solution for building like a modular system for trees. And uh, I will try to feature that in the in the previous production log video, just how you build these branches and then you combine them to get like taller, shorter trees. And yeah, maybe really... maybe you describe how you did it because I think it's it's amazing how yeah, it's very simplified, yeah. of course, uh, and not very good for close-ups. <laughs> right, yeah. it works. Yeah, it's just like because before that we were thinking for weeks about you know. Uh, growing them or doing simulation for making it work and then it's just a matter of uh, using groups and uh, assembling branches and that kind of yeah, stuff. Basically yeah, basically making multiple levels of small branches, medium-sized branches, large branches and different kinds of them and then just populating them with uh, with like lower tier branches and sticking them on trees however you want. It's a bit of manual uh, placement but uh, it's it's still better than okay doing it all manually. Mm -hmm. So you get like a fairly art directable setup, which is yeah. very important, yeah. right? You have yeah. a good amount of control over it. So every single branch has like a slider of like that that of no. winter to like springy beautiful or no, of course not. <laughs> Just no. wondering. Well, we might be doing something like that later on. Once we have the libraries, it's fairly simple to add controls to it. Right. But right now, everything we make is just for the wintry part. And then mm -hmm. the the actual transition from uh, winter to spring is only happening in like four to five shots, really. Mm. Um, we can figure something out for that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. And so like, you keep actually working on assets for the environment. Yeah, That's yeah. like your destiny for the time yeah. for the time <laughs> being. Come on, it's it's so great because at the end you can point at every single shot and say, I made yeah. that rock there yeah, in the background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Actually, everything you see is made by me. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of rocks, Francesco, what have you been doing? Oh my God, I haven't done Segways anything. Segways are no. rolling. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm like, yes, you, someone wants to keep us on track with the worst segues ever. But uh, yes, um, I get it. Uh, well, um, I've been uh, now that the 100% the, the frenzy of uh, the code quest 
kind of stopped like after the move last weekend i was able to catch my breath for a few hours mm. and uh start to think more of you know okay picking up some things that were left over from the previous days because at some point i really had to stop being at my desk and actually just being carrying things around and driving vans around amsterdam um so just you know catching up with some uh, uh, production work in particular, we are wrapping up the production of Hero, which is uh, still scheduled to come out next week Ooh. in just a few days. And uh, Daniel and his team uh, in Barcelona are working super hard to tweak the last details, improve the sound uh, and the soundtrack and getting the overall presentation package done. I feel like we are really on the edge, like really short on time to get a couple of, uh, uh, like to get a good presentation out, which I think is very important to have a nice package for the press, to have a nice press statement, to have good images, breakdowns, and all that kind of content mm -hmm. to really explain people what's the effort behind the project. Because especially in the case of here, it's really a powerful showcase of something that is not even completely in Blender yet. Mm -hmm. Like you have to get a special build of Blender. It's like an amazing experiment. And uh, it's it's pivotal that we communicate this well to people, and especially that all this was done thanks to the Blender Cloud. So that's uh, that has been taking some of my time. But besides that, I've been focusing more on what's happening here with with Spring, trying to help you guys, trying to help the team to plan uh, on a weekly and daily basis how to get as fast as possible forward mm. to get into production, which is happening. So that's very exciting, and I hope I will be doing more of this uh, in the in the upcoming. Uh, uh, in the upcoming weeks and maybe even work on some tools and some software. <laughs> He's like, a developer. Okay, let's throw him to the north. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I have so many hopes and dreams, but then in the end, there is always something else to do. So, but that's, but it, it's, it's been great. Like since we were able to split and then, you know, like uh, get, get a smaller team to work with on a more uh, focused scope, uh, it, for, it feels much better to me. So, mm. It's, uh, yeah, I've been enjoying it. So that's pretty much what's been happening, I would say. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think we should uh, move on to our main show topic, which uh, all <laughs> starts from a Blender Cloud comment slash question that Hjalti uh, is actually going to mm -hmm. read out. So, uh, so instead of reading the questions at the end, we're actually going to read it now because we kind of just have the one, which is from Armando Tello. I don't, know, I don't know if it's Latin or whatever. Uh, so I don't do the entire thing. Like, you guys are awesome or something. Thank and, you. And thank you. And uh, you are awesome. Thank you. No, thank you. Um, <laughs> and the question is, uh, I recently watched CG Cookie's critique of Elephant Stream. Uh, I also watched that. that was I also watched it, yeah. yeah. Watched it's like a full-on <laughs> hour. Uh, very interesting. Um, and it made me wonder, looking back at your previous open movies, what do you think of them today? What do you love and or hate? What was left out? And then, you know, there's a, a, an additional question about like, what were the, what have been kind of the main features we've gotten with every movie? So we can like maybe tackle that a little bit later. But uh, yeah, do we just go one by one? And, and for the most part, it'll just be Andy talking, the one veteran here, the one uh, true veteran. Let me get my wheelchair. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it would be very interesting to hear from everyone I mean it's also especially going to be interesting to hear it from Julian because he's mm. working on an open movie right now but it's not that you know he's been you've been following yeah. Yeah, yeah. before 
Uh, Little known fact, he was born two years after Elephant Stream. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> That's why it was a little known fact, because it's not true at all. <laughs> and it's good that it stays little known. For a moment, you had to think of that. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> Wait, what? When did Elephant Stream? <laughs> you grew so fast. So I would say, yes, let's start with Andy, who was there since, uh, mm-hmm. indeed, Elephant Stream, which, which, which yeah. started it all. Like um, we should just go by movie by movie and then kind of talk a little bit about yeah it yeah I mean so I, elephant's dream oh my god I can't remember anything it's like this uh, this old time of Blender I don't even know the version now Blender two point three something something two point mm. two something two point two eight I don't know I don't know I don't know these things Pablo we have our know. Pablo yeah Pablo's yeah. not here Pablo's not here so. Yeah. Um, it's a very old version of Blender. So um, it was the first open movie ever, I think. Um, and and even before we, like, I remember even before we started, there was no concept of an open movie. It was just something mm-hmm. that Ton and uh, maybe um, I think a couple of his colleagues from Not a Number back then, um, when like they got together again after some time and they were just brainstorming how to make this uh, actually work because there was this idea floating around of making a movie production with Blender to make sure that it, you can actually use it making movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but to like the term open movie and making it a thing that you publish and then you publish all the sources as well, that just grew out of this uh, discussion. Um, before before that, we haven't actually thought of you know putting any of the stuff out there. Mm-hmm. And then it got Creative Commons and it became this great, like this big movement of uh, you know, sharing culture and things like that. And that was this big first thing that's uh, that's have that, that had so much influence over mm-hmm. the, the world of movie making. That's uh, incredible. But it was really just a bunch of nerds nerdy kids well not really kids like there, there were Basse and Tony who were older I think they they were like uh, at the end of 20 or so when when we started <laughs> older you yeah. mean <laughs> I mean they were older than me and I was like 21 22 mm, yeah I was so super green I haven't had any experience with that I just, I've just been sitting in my uh, bedroom making movies with Blender on my big CRT monitors mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we just like we all got together to to work on this film and we kind of thought okay we have some idea of how films work because we're passionate about, about films and we want to make them but yeah and and I think that was the big pitfall that you need to have done something like this before in order to do it you need to some kind of experience to know the exact workflow um, because you guys didn't have that or you figured it out on the we, way we had to figure it out on the way of course like uh, you know uh, certain rules of course you like you you know that you have to have a, some kind of a script then you have to have some kind of a breakdown of all the shots and then you make a storyboard based on that and then you take that and you make an animatic and then you work your way up that sounds mm-hmm. great yeah that's uh, on paper that's perfect but you know f- to get from these individual steps like from one step to another that's uh, another Thing, and that's where the experience kicks in to make that a smooth process. Mm-hmm. And uh, the the biggest thing um, was the story, really, for Elephant Stream that we uh, we were thinking before the production even started. We were thinking of possible stories, and uh, we we settled on this one idea of these two guys in a machine. But that's right, like really a broad 
thing mm-hmm. that you can do. And then over time, it like it grew. And um, we had this external theater writer who was uh, like uh, who was um, hired by the um, the art institute we were making this film at because we were, we were not making it here at the institute it didn't exist back then mm, we oh, made that's it right yeah, yeah we made it at the uh video media institute montevideo like. netherlands media art institute yes uh on kaiserskracht 10 Ooh. 11 years ago it doesn't exist anymore here it's a fancy place though it was, yeah, it was a great place and we were somewhere in the attic in a storage room. That's not fancy. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it. It, was pre- it was pretty cool. Like okay. it, was a, it was a big open space. It was nice. And we had, uh, we were seven people and we had that space to us for uh, the uh, seven months, six months, seven months. And that was amazing. Like this, our own studio. We, yeah. I remember on, the, on this first week, uh, Bassam went to uh, a, a place to get this little sign made and we put this little sign on the door, Studio Orange. That was the no, code name of it. No. Um, and then, yeah, it was the first ever studio and that was so great. Mm-hmm. But yeah, making, like coming up with a story was a, a huge thing mm-hmm. and we made, I think until we could actually start animating, doing stuff, um, there was so much time that passed because we essentially made the movie like three times, four times, I don't know. And every person kind of contributed one scene to it. Mm. In, do you mean like in storyboard form it was made? Uh, yeah, well, I wish. Yeah. We started doing storyboards, but we had this uh, big, tall Dutch guy back <laughs> then who said, we have to be a revolutionary yeah. and not do this in storyboard. We can do... Uh, we can make this in Blender with cubes as people and we can imagine it. We can imagine those cubes being actual people. And that's how we tried to do it. And it was it was very time-consuming to make entire scenes mm. and, and uh, you know, just try to figure out a movie based on that, try to figure out dialogue. There were no actors. We didn't have any voices back then. We just had to work with subtitles and kind of stick subtitles in the sequence. Well, not even in se- in the sequence, like actual text text objects in front of the camera, and make like make the dialogue work with that. And we had this mm. uh, overlong script, and we were just trying to visualize how that script uh, could work. And um, so that was a very time consuming process. And if there's one thing I regret from back then, it's just not being very strict and saying, uh, "Okay, this script is too long." let's cut it down or let's maybe try and do a more traditional approach and make the story actually accessible because that's, I think, the, the main criticism with Elephant's Dream is that it's it's just this conglomerate of of story being being shoved together. And then in the end, the premise uh, is very nice. Like, I, I like the idea of it. I like the, the, the you know, the controlling... Uh, factor Prug, uh, who's trying to enforce his ideas on the young emo and that kind of stuff. And um, but yeah, to just to get there was such a long, windy, uh, <laughs> complicated process that uh, I wish that could have been easier. Well, mm. I am. I think it's remarkable that regardless of all these adversities, you managed to actually make it happen. It's, like that, that you had the drive to actually do it and to make it. And then it was done and then you moved on. Because indeed, as you say, like it even has its own meaning. And I think the more, even for myself, like I remember seeing it the first time and just barely 
Like <laughs> even, but and then you know, after getting to know the people, after watching the film again and again, and really, yeah, like I, I understood at some point. Yeah. I was like, oh, so it's actually the but, thing is, it's like it's a work of passion, and that's why I think it's better than anything else. It's just like these guys who want to make like yeah, if yeah. I look back at it you can see like we wanted to make something yeah. incredible that hasn't been done before and really? that was like the, the drive behind it and that energy over the course of that project and also to get that from every single member of the project and yeah. to get that from Ton yeah. uh, that was just amazing yeah, it's I, like being a pioneer because I think that otherwise you would not like this is the kind of project that if you know you wouldn't have that kind of driver motivation you would just stagnate because people would be debating over and over about the script and the story and yeah. it's too theatrical or not mm. or is clear or not should we do it this way sure. yeah. or the other way or technically it's too complicated or wanting to make it perfect or the animation is not good enough or whatever yeah. and instead you just just went and did it. Yeah, just so did it. Uh, I mean, because everybody had the energy to do. Yeah, you yeah. need to have a twenty-year-old team that doesn't want to sleep. <laughs> to I pull think it's. <laughs> I think it was just the right time to do it. Also, yeah. um, because uh, especially like if you consider the Blender community back then, it was uh, a lot of hobbyists and a lot of, but a lot of enthusiastic people. I think that's also what sparked the whole the whole process. Yeah, that was uh, really great. That's that's awesome, and um, like just one one more thing, and I think that that can be at least I would like to hear it from everyone, you know, <laughs> from their from their films or like you know projects that you worked on. Do you have any specific vivid memory from that time? Like the one moment, like I'm thinking, you know, the production where I've been. Like sometimes there are those moments, like when you first walked into the studio, or like when at some point you saw the first final renders or something like that. Like, do you have any memory from Elephant Stream that was like <laughs> defining? I think, like, I'm trying to think because the whole production phase is incredibly fuzzy. I don't yeah, remember anything exactly. of it. Yeah. There are long, long hours, and I just, I, I don't know. I just remember when we heard the music for the first time that. Well, uh, that was uh, when Jan Morgenstern was uh, making the music and like at some point we had this music there and at some point then the movie just becomes this thing like it's it's an actual film it has sound and <laughs> images and somehow that just Made it does like this you. click thing and then you're like oh we were making a movie <laughs> and uh, yeah that was that was that moment but I don't know. I really don't know. I remember the the, the premiere. Yeah, yeah. I remember yeah. we talked about it. But I think that that's that's what I was after. I really like that. <laughs> you know, the sound. The first time you see with sound. Yeah. That's, uh, that's just when when magic. It's still like to this date. Whenever we like we make a film, and it's that moment where when you suddenly realize this is bigger than like the the like all of us, the individuals. It's like a, a, mm. a group effort, and that just. At some point, it just comes over you, and then you're like, "Wow, yeah, yeah. how is this even possible?" I saw it. <laughs> <laughs> no, back in the day, uh, I did not see it. Uh, you know, when it came out or whatnot. Like, I saw it way later, uh, just because I think it was only 2009 that I became aware, really, of like the Blender community and Blender and all that stuff. Like that, I really dived into Blender, and at some point, I watched it. And at that point, it was already a bit dated, I guess. Yeah, uh, yeah. I can only imagine. So, like, you know, it's it was as groundbreaking as it was. It's always kind of hard to look way back when, when it's computer graphics in, in early stages. 
Um, the uh, I didn't understand it at all. Like, and but I also knew that there was very clever stuff probably happening on a story level that I was not smart enough to like grasp or something. And then like years later, I talked to Ton, and he's like. Prook is just, you know, he has mental issues and he is imagining all of this. So like they're actually just walking on the streets of Amsterdam. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and then now like that I see it, it's like, yeah, like the, of course. And it's so obvious. But man, like it was so not obvious to me when I first saw it. Can you imagine if there was a way, if there would have been a way to reveal that in the movie. We've thought uh, of that actually. Yeah. We, we've thought of that, but that was deemed to uh, to impossible to do at the last moment yeah mm. but yeah there was supposed to be this last shot where they all whether and at some point i think i don't think it was ever set but there was this last shot where they're actually in a trash dump or so these two homeless people and then you see like oh yeah where they've actually been next to this place where there's like this weird stage entrance or in the beginning when you see this little road piece, that's actually a piece of Amsterdam road. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, um, we thought of that. And actually um, when uh, two years ago or so, I don't know, when we did the premiere, the 10 years uh, anniversary, uh, we re-rendered that part of Elephant Stream and we just put them in like in some abandoned place. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I remember. It's funny. I'm hearing that for the first time. <laughs> the hey, hey, yeah. Okay. I, I, Does I it had, make sense now? Yeah, it kind of makes sense. I okay, mean, stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Don't think about it. Yeah, <laughs> don't overthink it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'd say the the um, out of all the different things there, I think that there's there's still like when I look back at it because I, I watched it again when when we were watching the the CG Cookie critique, and I think there's a lot of stuff that still like holds up. Meaning, like a lot of really interesting ideas and backdrops, and you know, a lot of a lot of cool stuff. Uh, the animation does not. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm very sorry. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, like uh, when I like right in the beginning where the cables are like hitting the wall, I'm like, oh, that's actually really cool. And then I see a, a human being trying to stand up, and it's like, no, you know. <laughs> but uh, you know, my stuff also back in those days was worse than that. So yeah. you know, things. And things the 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 deadline was just insane because Oof. this was like, I mean, of course. We didn't really have a lot of, I mean, Basam and Lee, they were really ex- kind of animators, you could call it. Mm. Um, Matt, Matt Ebb and I, we were just uh, doing the graphics side. And Basse, uh, he is also a really talented animator, but he hasn't, hadn't been doing that for the whole time. Mm-hmm. So, um, but, but <laughs> we all animated. Mm-hmm. We all did it. Like yeah. I remember, I had to. I well, I had. I didn't have to, but I really liked animating the typewriter dance scene, oh. just because it was so uh, so weird. Yeah. So I really enjoyed that. Um, but yeah, it, it was just. Of course, there was <laughs> there was no time after all the story development to actually put some quality in the animation. Yeah. At some point, I think Basse had to animate like a shot in a day or something like that, and mm. yeah, that never works. Of course. Yeah. Exactly. So time constraints, not yep. good. What did you think of the critique, by the way? Um, I I really enjoyed it a lot. Um, it was great to see it as an outsider perspective after all those years and me not properly remembering everything, of course. Um, um, I they were very respectful of it, and they uh, they like they looked at the whole context, which I think you have to do because yeah. in itself it's just a weird thing, <laughs> yeah. you know. <laughs> Yeah. But uh, yeah, I I enjoyed the the review a lot. Yeah, they were really fair on on pretty much every level. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's good. I mean, it, it wasn't 
it it would be very easy to just do this kind of knee jerky, really short critique where yeah. you don't really think about like the the bigger effort. Yeah, and I think uh, they came up with an explanation of the whole thing, and that was just great that they went into uh, this all this length trying trying to explain the premise of the film and they were on point. Yeah. That yeah. was very good. Yeah. Yeah, totally. How about you, Julian? So when you saw the first, like, the first time the film, yeah. it was not the first Blender movie you actually no, saw. No, no. Uh, the first Blender open movie I saw was uh, Sintel in 2011. And it was uh, around the time where I actually started learning Blender and I saw that movie and I was just showing everybody this mo movie like, mm. oh my God, this was created with free software that I'm learning right now. I can do this movie. <laughs> and then I, I watched uh, Big Buck Bunny and I had the same feeling like, oh my God, this was even before that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then I watched Elephant's Dream and it was like, what? <laughs> I never showed anyone that film. <laughs> Except man. like lately, uh, like, okay, yeah. I, I started working here. So everybody wanted to see, okay, um, what... Uh, has the studio worked on yeah. and, I, and I showed like everybody the movies like every, everybody from my family who came to visit like here to the studio yeah. we went, went to the back uh, to the big screen and I sh we sh just watched all the movies oh, yeah. and, nice. um, it's one hour worth of content yeah, only. yeah. <laughs> it took a while yeah. uh, the internet was also flaky, oh, so it oh, took no. even longer wow. uh, but yeah it was fun and uh, it was the same level of, of confusion for Elephant Stream <laughs> but yeah it's it's a fun movie I really enjoyed the environment and like the te the, the mechanical designs and yeah mm. I think it still looks good in like we couldn't afford to ray trace a lot by the way yeah. so most most of it no ray tracing <laughs> I would ha I would make a suggestion just regarding the time that I see right now that is beyond us uh, um, do we maybe like the whole feature thing I kind of want Pablo to be on in on that because he actually remembers these things like exactly what features every short film kind of brought to huh. the table. I remember it for Elephant Stream Ooh, though. Yeah. Bring it on. Um, it was like before Elephant Stream started even, I remember vividly the, the first week and when we were in Amsterdam and uh, Ton made this new animation system for Blender. So he actually revamped the way that uh, armatures work and the uh, dependency graph, which I think was not really that fleshed out before it. Mm. Uh, so he just like, he invited us to his apartment, which was like way somewhere else than it is right now. Mm. And uh, and yeah, we were just looking at like, oh, wow, yeah, this is how you can animate. This is how you can make an IK chain. It's so different. Mm. Um, cool. That was that was a big thing, like the the, the animation system and then trying to make uh, the NLA actually usable. Mm -hmm. We used the NLA back then. No! <laughs> it was useful because yeah. you could you could make a character walk and then the feet would actually stick to the ground in relation to where the character would walk. So mm. it was for us, it was very efficient to to use in some shots. Yeah. Um, of course, yeah, uh, it's a thing. <laughs> anyway, uh, so yeah, the, the compositor was mm. a big feature for Elephant Stream. We didn't have a compositor mm. in, there was not even a very good open source uh, compositor that, that was I think Jashaka back then I think it's still around um, but we didn't like we were thinking of this node based weird thing that uh, you can apparently do and then like before that nodes haven't been possible in like the, the ton made the node system I remember the first 
I actually remember the first time when I sat at uh, our studio and Ton would be on IRC sending us these pictures from the develop the, from like his place, at, like these screenshots. He wasn't at the studio; he was at his own place working and communi- communicating with us on IRC. <laughs> so that was weird. Um, and then he sent us these screenshots of nodes, and he made the nodes how they look like right now. And that was so mind blowing that you could make this thing that works non like non in a non-linear fashion and you can mix colors and stuff and then later you could blur things and that's when the whole like blurry glariness started because like before that we couldn't have add glow to something <laughs> and that's just Gaussian blur added on top and it looks beautiful right <laughs> it's like a soap opera yeah so so yeah that's uh, that wasn't possible before and then the whole like working in high dynamic range um in in with high dynamic range renders wasn't possible before that either so open xr that that whole workflow um the depth of field i think was still not as it was later it was still this it was just a gaussian blur based on the distance to the camera Super crappy, mm. and then the depth of uh, the, the the motion blur um, was the the vector blur, the the one vector blur we had for the, then like for eight years after that, and we still yeah nobody could do anything better. Than yeah, that. nobody did anything better. We called it the Rosen blur, mm. and uh, it, clever. Yeah, it, and it like after all these years uh, in Big Buck Bunny, it turned out that it actually was wrong, and Brecht Brecht fixed it. <laughs> So, so it became the Brechtin blur? <laughs> yeah, something like that. Um, so yeah, it was just like suddenly you could have motion blur without rendering something 16 times, which yeah. that you would have to do that before that. And and then all these compositing effects and overlaying things and constructing your, your whole scene in after the fact. And then doing that dynamically on the render farm that was something that hasn't been done before. And like before that, we only had the Blender sequence editor. Like I remember doing the first uh, rendering tests and like dropping everything in the sequence editor and doing all these weird color mixes and color adjustments there. Um, it just sounds like yeah. every feature that's in Blender right now almost I think, is there I think most of the of features, like most of the features are just a legacy of Elephant Stream that made the whole making movies in Blender possible. It's mind blowing really. <laughs> I remember supporting the Elephant's Dream campaign and <gasps> buying the DVD Why? and uh, not having enough. What is a DVD? Not, <laughs> not having enough money to actually buy a copy for myself because, like, it was too expensive. So I had to buy it together with someone else. Mm. So we combined our funds and then you get one half i get the other yeah yeah and i mean i i really wanted to get the data so i remember then this dvd arrived and uh and then just opening it and putting it inside of the computer <laughs> and looking what was in it like Pal opening yes yeah and mm-hmm. opening the the files opening program emo and just looking at them and trying to I had no idea of anything and there were like scenes like I, I didn't I didn't even know how the the whole pipeline was uh, coming together maybe there was some documentation there was some readme file it was very bare bone I don't I think, think I so, understood yeah. 
like there was not really a run through that or you know a video like we did in the in the next films like someone actually making a shot breakdown being like okay this is a production shot this is the lighting shot so he's linking in these and these assets so if you want the assets you find them there just remember browsing you could could link in those things at that time yeah yeah Yeah, yeah. um well (laughs) that's cool another feature another big feature was groups uh, Remember those groups? We still use them today. Yeah, yeah. Um, thing. That's yeah. how you link things in. Like yeah. before that, you only could link in the the hard way using objects. Uh, but of course, then the thing is when you make a set and you want to add something to the set uh, or the, the set designer has added something to that set, you have to link it in as well. Yeah. And then objects were a way to make, like define a, a group of things and that would just be always linked in and then when you ever you add something to the group that will also come into the scene and that's something that we like ton made during elephant stream mm-hmm. and we used it for a majority of the sets for almost everything for the big set pieces we would uh take like put a set and well put a set into the scene dissect it into four different groups maybe um one thing that wasn't possible, I think, was uh, proxies. Proxies came during mm. Big Bug Bunny. So the 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 thing that you can uh, take an armature in that group and make it deform the something in that group without actually making the group local. Yeah. Um, the way we did it for Elephant Stream was, uh, I think, you could have um, you could have the NLA system and you can kind of apply an action on that group. Um, For an instance, there's that uh, thing when the elevator, when they both sit in the elevator and uh, the capsule comes up Mm. and it falls into pieces and then they're standing on this platform in one shot. That capsule was one group um, and uh, we had like, I think we had an action that would would just make this thing fall apart. We animated that action in the in the file, and then we could apply that to the scene using an NLA strip. Mm. Really wow. weird stuff. Convoluted. Yeah. yeah. And I remember trying to figure that out, and it was really hard. Yeah. <laughs> and now I think I understand why, because really I had no idea. That what was, was really going on. that was really cool because that way you could have multiple groups, and you can apply an NLA strip to those groups. So uh, in that sense, you could have. For example, you can do the things that we can't do right now, which is have birds, a group of birds Mm. flying around with different actions on them. So in that way, it was a bit more powerful, but of course it was a bit more hackish than it Yeah, the big downside was that you had to animate out of context because you would have to build the asset with the animation embedded and then bring it in and then bring in the action and decide which one you want. But the Stone Age, yeah. You you (laughs) achieved what you you needed. Right now at the Bronze Age, like we're we're at a a halfway point right now because like we make a bird and that it's like bird.blend or whatever and then we link it into a file. And then, uh, you know, I animate that bird, but at some point it's like, you know what? I, I want his brother to be there or whatever. Oh, and I can't my. duplicate the guy and just animate that guy because then everything breaks or whatever. So we have to just take the bird blend file and just save it as blend2 or whatever, like uh, bird2.blend. And then we link in that guy. And uh, it's it's a little bit like going back to like HTML or something where like you have to make every single, it's like a copy of that. Yes. Well, you That's know what like, the answer to that is? Mm. 2.8. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 2.8 is, is going to be our big savior. It's overrides. Be, yeah, yeah. Overrides. All right. So we've been talking about Elephant Stream for the whole time. Like, I'm yeah. just wondering, like, if basically... <laughs> so every, yo, Frankie, uh, it's great. <laughs> every once in a while, I think we can do a podcast like this by looking back at a, at a film because, like, mm. you can easily fill it up in, like, you know, 
almost an hour and yeah. it's like there is so much like yeah that i would just say like we can talk for five more minutes about elephant's dream and mm-hmm. then we can just you know wrap it up and then another time we talk yeah. about big rock bunny yeah. like it just comes to, to to mind like um when we were working on the art of blender open movies uh book that uh, that for me was a big moment of revival of Elephant's Dream too, mm-hmm. because especially coming across a lot of artwork, like 2D artwork, drawing concepts, I didn't even know who did some of those drawings. And then I was going to Andy and asking, so uh, who made this? And I was like, yeah, I made it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, that's uh, that was that was very very interesting. And also like all the like you you made you and the rest of the team. You really went through some effort also in the concept art phase oh yeah yeah and and like you did like drawings analog drawings you did sculptures and stuff. Sculptures. yeah we did I saw those and yeah. i was like oh my mm. god like <laughs> like so, cool. so professional if only yeah. we did that today yeah <laughs> i would love to do clay sculptures again yeah, yeah. um uh, I, I just wanted to use this opportunity because i think uh in the cg cookie review it didn't like it didn't come across, but I just wanted to give a, a huge shout out to all the people who were like involved back then because I think like most of these people are still around alive. and alive. And, <laughs> yeah. But I think like it should like they should be given credit. Yeah. So um, ton of course for making this whole thing possible, like the grandfather of all things open movie. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but Basam, he is uh, he's. He's amazing. He made the whole, like the rigging for the characters and everything. Uh, back then, like the, there were these cons, con, complex com, concepts of rigs around and he, like he's the most insane detailed person. Uh, like he made these amazing rigs for the characters that I think are still valid to look at today. Mm-hmm. Today um, he is a living legend on yeah, so many levels. Um, it was it was such a pleasure working with him. Like he was always very uh, like he had such a good mood all the time. Even mm-hmm. if he had a bad mood, he wouldn't like show it. It was a, such a pleasure to work with. Um, Matt Epp, uh, mm-hmm. great uh, Australian. <laughs> ah, never <laughs> he, met him. Matt Epp, uh, he's uh, he's working in the movie industry right now. I don't. I forgot which movie he's like which studio. I think he's working in in Australia. Animal Logic. Yeah. Animal Logic. Oh, he worked okay. on the Lego movie and that kind of stuff. Ah. So, but yeah, he he brought like before I even looked at design he brought a great sensibility for design and architecture in the whole film like most of the concepts of machine architecture and uh, the the fact that the whole movie is centered around communication devices typewriters telegraph wires and that came from him uh, he was a huge influence in that and also on you know trying to get a different more artistic view on things like he, it was very inspiring to work with him like he had all these uh like influences from electronic music to uh, to graphics design and typography, he made the type the the typeset of Elephant's Dream, the the title. He made it. Um, great all around guy. Um, Lee uh, Lee Salvemini. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. He worked on Sinter later on. Awesome animator. Very uh, fight fight driven. You know, <laughs> I I remember working like chatting with him online back then and we were like these teenagers who would just love to do this adolescent stuff with people fighting and anime mm-hmm. action and uh, uh, yeah he was like he's such an animation workhorse he can make something in a night and it looks like this amazing fight choreography um, Bastian Salma Basse 
he like he's for me one of the great legends of blender art because back then he used to be super active and he made these really strange artistic uh like almost very david lynch sort of characters very very abstract also um and it was like he was the main analog guy during this production i remember he would have his uh his room in his apartment he would have all these oil paintings over the floor scattered and he would like sit there for hours drawing these things with oil, uh, with with, with uh, uh, watercolors oil paint and even coffee he painted using coffee mm. um he made all the designs for the 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 strange machiney things like the the frames the very art nouveau kind of gothic uh designs like he he basically coined the the design of elephant stream he and matt and uh the the duck robots the the background ducks he just completely owned them he's finished and he named uh he named all the ducks so they had names like Yorma Kiryuri and uh I can't pronounce them all <laughs> but it's like he and uh Tony were the two Finnish people and they had uh, like they were a bit older than we are, uh were back then mm. well, now they are older than us uh, even still but they had kids and they had these fa- and they had their families back home so they were really uh in a way more you know, more down settled. I don't know how you call it down to earth than, than us uh, guys with all these heady ideas and stuff. So they were just, they were just there working, doing their stuff, uh, doing amazing work every day and just being all around nice. Um, And also like uh, Bus and, uh, and Tony, they were using Linux. Uh, I hadn't even heard of Linux back. I think I had heard of it, but I, I was forced to use it. And uh, it was just really interesting to be thrown into this uh, free culture world. So uh, I I learned a great deal from them, like for, for open source software and uh, Linux, and that's amazing. Did I forget anyone? No, I'm I thinking didn't. that's that was the thing. yeah. <clears throat> just so that people know, uh, you like there's no piece of paper in front of you with like names or whatever. You're like really just. Those are, the, by memory. those are the, the guys that worked on it. Of yeah. course, we had contributors from uh, online uh, uh, giving us the textures. So mm. uh, Roland Tess, uh, Robert Thies, Andrea Weikert, and uh, Enrico Valenza, he also worked on uh, the film for, uh, I think, a month um, because Bassam had to go to the States mm. for a brief period of time and Ton uh, invited Enrico over to, to work on the film. He textured uh, some of the assets uh, in the uh, in the rest of the film, with the uh, in the end of, uh, during the end of the film, with the tiles, the tile room, mm. um, he made that. Uh, so Jan Morgenstern, of course, I have to bring my German accent out. <laughs> Jan Morgenstern, mm-hmm. uh, star he, of the morning. <laughs> yeah, he uh, he made the music. As I said, incredible work. Mm. Um, now I think I have everyone, all the Blender developers, of course, but. They are mm-hmm. heroes anyway. <laughs> oh, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah, that was a. Uh, it's quite a story, and I mean, and this was just really the beginning. Like, imagine when we would talk about like Big Rock Bunny, because like that. That's this movie started everything, and then yeah. Big Rock Bunny became bigger, and then it got bigger and bigger, and like mm-hmm. just you know the network of people expanded, and indeed some some people came back, some people just they moved on to do other things, and uh, and this organic. Uh, effort 
kept growing. So it's really cool to see where that that comes from. Yeah. And uh, mm. uh, yeah. It's Almost 15 years later, and that that spirit is still alive uh, in the community. And now more people are using Blender than ever. And mm. like soon we're going to be moving to this big place, and we're gonna like this. It's, it's going to start this whole new era of pioneering. Where all kinds of things will go wrong. I'm so looking forward to that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, I think uh, that was fantastic. And uh, if there are any questions uh, on on you know what you heard from this story of Elephant Stream, maybe you even learn something new. Just you know, leave a comment, and uh, and we will follow up on that. Speaking of learning, what have you learned since last podcast? Oh my God! <laughs> this thing of the learning is <laughs> always coming at me. I learned that mm -hmm. now you can use Blender 2.8 with Mac OS. Before... Mac OX? <laughs> Mac OXX. What is that? It's like Linux, right? It's like Linux, but proprietary. And, uh, uh, and it's... Uh, it's one of uh, those. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, for, for many, many months, uh, years since uh, Blender 2.8 started existing, um, it was really tricky to actually... A turn on Blender, and then you would have to switch to uh, internal uh, or uh, workbench engine to see the viewport. And now this issue has been solved. Uh, as far as I know, it's been fixed by Brecht. And you can actually play around with the EV viewport inside of, uh, uh, like just stay in the EV viewport and work with a, with a Mac laptop, for example, and uh, have it not suck. <laughs> so that's something like that's as far as my learning process goes. But I think it's very nice to give a uh, to to give people the news because after many months of not even trying to open it because I knew it was really a, a, a sad experience, I was almost giving up, and then mm -hmm. I, I discovered it. So that was uh, that was my discovery of the of the week. Mm -hmm. Not very mm -hmm. exciting. I got to work on this. I know. But at mm -hmm. least I try. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. I still have one more, right? To catch yeah, up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the me. next, next, next part. All right, all right. Yes. Let's okay. call it even, Steven, then. And yes. everything's good, yeah. Yep. Shall we wrap it up? Then, yeah. Uh, yeah. Thanks for tuning in. Yeah. And uh, see you the next time with uh, some more crazy news and uh, maybe another uh, open movie or who knows. Wow. So decisive. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> so decisive. Bye-bye. Right. Okay. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Blender Anime Studio Podcast. Brought to you by the Blender Cloud. Is your crippling sadness not heavy enough? Then get some tears of steel on the cloud. Go to cloud.blender.org.